It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And the millennial man is Jared Patel of Fox 17 TV in Grand Rapids, Michigan and Fat Stack Sports. Comments and questions can be sent by email to 3 Pod at gmail.com or hit them up on social media at 3 Pod. The fellows will get it rolling right after this from our partners. Great news to report. Sheridan Realty and Auction Company has built a new 7,500-square-foot warehouse in Owasso. Now we are able to take all of your items and put it underneath one roof. Whether you are able to bring us a vehicle, an ATV, furniture, it goes inside. Go to SheridanAuctionService.com to see more. More importantly, stop down and see us at 1007 South Washington Street. You'll do better with Sheridan. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our community. They're not tied into an out-of-state corporation or their board of directors. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. The top priority is caring for our friends and neighbors, being right there when you need them most. With unique service to represent unique lives in mid-Michigan, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. The business started in 1880 and continues the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, see them on the web at nelsonhouse.com or call them at 989-723-5234. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your larger, small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of three-point podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Well, it's March Madness time for the three-point podcast and episode 161, our Elite Eight includes Advanced Elevator, Corona Connection, the Corona Public Schools, Hankard Sportswear, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and our studio home, Z92.5 The Castle. I'm Ted Fattel with Matt Burns on the phone from Carolina, and Jared Fattel joins me here in the studios. We want to thank you all for the listens, and make sure you give us a follow at 3 Point Pod. Well, it's been a while, guys, since we've caught up. We've had some uh, March Madness that we'll be talking about in this podcast, but uh, where do we want to start here in the beginning? I tweeted this out, but... I think this might be a little bit of a hot take, but I personally, I love the new scheduling of the March Madness tournament because I think that I, the reason I like it so much is because, like we said, how they scheduled it where the play-in games are on Thursday, it almost still feels like the tournament still starts on Thursday because you still have two big games. It just worked out perfectly for us this year where Michigan State was one of them. But the whole time, you're kind of like, you feel like you're almost like you get a whole extra day of hoops because Friday feels like normally, oh, this is normally the second day of the tournament. But then you kind of like, you realize like as the week kind of progresses, like, oh no, that was just the first. And then Monday morning hits and Mondays, they all suck. We all know that. But (laughs) it's the ultimate pickup when you have a whole slate of tournament games just awaiting you on that Monday. I personally loved it. Did it make the week leading up to the tournament go a little bit slower? But as soon as the tournament started, I loved it a lot more. 
you know, I didn't I didn't mind it. I don't know if I want to go to that full time. I could go along with uh, the first four on Wednesday night and then start the tournament Thursday because, you know, let's face it, when you get working full time all the time, Jared, what are you going to do on Monday? You're going to call in sick? You're going to do a vacation day? Well, what's the plan? Well, I guess the, the same thing would be what do you Thursday. do on Thursday yep. if the tournament was going to start on Thursday? Ah, you know, the same touche. I saying, but it would be a similar thing. I think I'm kind of I'm with you, Jared. It did seem cool to have the games finish on Monday because right, it made that Monday feel a little better. You didn't have the case of the Mondays because <laughs> you had some tournament games to watch. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of like I don't maybe just because I'm used to it, used to it starting on Thursday, like full go, not not the play-in game, like the actual first round starting on Thursday. You know, you're kind of used to that Thursday, Friday, first round. I don't. It, it was all. It's almost like a holiday. It's like a long weekend holiday that everyone's just used to. So that was just different. But I will say, it was cool having the games on Monday because what, Monday is one of my off days. I'm off Sunday, yep. Monday. Oh, nice. So I was off. Yeah, I was off on Monday. I'm just sitting there watching all the games. It was nice. But now it was. It, it's always. I mean, it's just so crazy. We talked about it before, but you know, it's a year ago that we didn't get March Madness because. COVID-19 and everything. So it made this one, it, it, like it came back with like a vengeance because yes. this, this tournament has been wild and we didn't get it for a year. So we were appreciating it even more. And yeah, it was an awesome week in a hoop. It, I, maybe just in sports in general, something about this NBA season has been even like a la- little bit lackluster than compared to when the NBA was in the bubble. I loved it when the NBA was in the bubble. Like you said, it feels like we've had to go through two college basketball regular seasons, which is the worst like major sport regular season that there is. But March Madness, I forget you forget how awesome it is. Uh, it's and it's it, it's awesome because it translates more than any other sporting event. Like my girlfriend and their mom, they do not watch sports whatsoever. But I had them fill out a bracket, and I tell you, what, they're like more interested <laughs> in it than I am. Like they're texting me every time, every game. Oh, they're about to get upset. This this pick, that pick. They're watching it when I'm not even there. Like it's just kind of it's crazy how I feel like this event more than the Super Bowl, more than anything, gets people actually to like watch it because. The, it's the kids crying, it's the fans in the stands, the little kids crying in the stands, it's the – everyone can root for a David versus Goliath story, and that is what the tournament is. And it's just – I love it. I, I just – I can't believe we went two years without it. Yeah, you know, I know we've talked about it before, but I really do truly believe that uh, March Madness is the best sporting event of all. Yeah, it's a three-week grind, and yeah. it's it's nonstop drama when you actually get to the games. But, you know, you throw the Super Bowl on there, the Kentucky Derby, a lot of other stuff would be bucket list items, but the greatest event – Probably the two in me, in my opinion, would be probably the Super Bowl and March Madness. Well, yeah, it's it's the drama that's involved. I mean, the Kentucky Derby is cool, or any of the you know the Preakness or any of those are cool because it you know there's a lot of buildup and then it's like whatever a three minute race, so you're done kind of like that. But it's the drama about March Madness and kind of like what you said, Jared. Super Bowl, yeah. If you're just like you don't care about the NFL football at all. You know, you can still sit down and maybe enjoy the Super Bowl. It's, you know, a good game, the commercials and stuff like that. So if you're not a fan, you can enjoy the Super Bowl. But some people just don't like football at all, so they don't care. But right, March Madness, you got the bracket. So you kind of do something fun with some of your friends or your family or, you know, stuff like that. You join the Rivals and Three Point Podcast bracket challenge so you can win some gift cards. But you don't have to know anything about basketball at all. You just fill out some bracket, and it kind of gets you interested. So... It, it is cool, and, and this tournament has just been great. And then, like, cherry on top, Michigan's in the Sweet 16 <laughs> when we were thinking that they were maybe going to be put out. So 
that makes it even better. Yeah, I'm just going to throw this out there. I mean, it's kind of the elephant in the room. Uh, I had a lot of predictions that were just right on the money uh, last time we recorded. And I'll also say this, uh, among the three of us, my bracket is looking far and away the best right now. Uh, Matt had Illinois. They're gone. You I went Michigan. with a homer pick and picked Michigan, which they, they won. They're still alive, but just compared to the other teams that were watching play, I don't think that they have a strong case that they're going to win the national title. And I was the only one that kind of said, like, man, Gonzaga, most obvious pick. Like, I'm just going to take them. Mm-hmm. I well, will say this. Let me let me say this real quick before you you have you you have your your brackets looking solid. You threw Number two solid predictions uh, last week on the podcast. You know, it was a couple upsets, a couple bets that you placed. I think you know you did pretty well with that. I promise. I'll pat you on the back. Yep. But you did also. I have <laughs> to call you out on this. We, we're going about about to get into to Michigan. You did text us. You know, we do a lot of texting and sometimes emails about about the podcast, how we're going to record, what we're going to do, and stuff like that. You did text Ted and I before the Michigan game, and you said, I, I could go back and look at it to get it verbatim, but you basically said, there's a very good chance Michigan loses. Do we want to record the podcast after this game? <laughs> I did say that. I, I'm not going to And you put it. money on it, them yes. losing, too. That was the dumbest thing I ever did. So you got to take admit. your hits. Here, yes. That was the one. And that's the thing is, every time I place a live bet on a game, I swear I think I'm like 0 for 30. <laughs> I, I don't I just can't explain it. I just lose it every single time. But if you would have told me just the way that the Big Ten was shaping out and just Michigan without livers, they didn't really look that good against Texas Southern. The first five minutes of that game, uh, it, it looked like Thomas was literally going to score at will the entire night. If you put a gun to my head, I would have said Michigan's going to lose this game. And wouldn't you know it, Jawan Howard, and I we said I said it in my instant reaction video, the Blue by 90 guys made the meme of it where it was, you know, Princess Leia calling out to Obi-Wan Kenobi to come save them. That is what Juwan Howard of Michigan did to the Big Ten, and it's kind of funny how I sort of forget how much how good this program has been. Where as soon as they win that game, you realize, oh, they've been to six Sweet Sixteens in eight years. Yeah. They've been to three Elite Eights. They've been to two Final Fours. They have more tournament wins in that time than any other team in the entire country. People forget we take about for that stuff. We're so caught up in Jim Harbaugh and that bullshit that we forget how good this program really is. That it's arguably the best program in the last eight years. Yeah, I mean, I, I if you can't argue any of that because. They're sitting there with all those records that you just rattled off, and you go from, you know, John Beeline. And, you know, I think a lot of people thought that Juwan Howard was going to be pretty good as a coach, but we didn't expect it to be this good this early. So to continue that success after John Beeline to Juwan Howard is super impressive. And, you know, I was nervous going into the LSU game just because I've watched a lot of LSU because I kind of forced to watch a lot of SEC basketball at work. I knew LSU could score. And like you said, in that first five minutes, LSU was going off. I mean, Cam Thomas was going off. It didn't look like anyone was going to be able to check him. And they were shooting well. Michigan was looking a little cold. But then Eli Brooks came up. Shawnee Brown stepped up. So, like, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I think before before Livers got hurt, I think we were all kind of, like, on the fence of saying, like, Final Four bust. Livers got hurt. And then I think we all kind of hedged our bet and kind of said, like, ah, if we make it to the Sweet 16, that'll be impressive. I have now gone back to, now that Michigan's in the Sweet 16, <laughs> I think I'm sitting here saying, no, it's back to Final Four or bust. Yeah. Because this team showed, like, yeah, they could easily, they play Florida State really good. They could lose. They definitely could lose that game if they have a cold shooting night. But if they play like they did when they were playing well against LSU with Shawnee Brown, if Dickinson doesn't get into foul trouble, they could easily be in the Final Four next weekend. And so I... <laughs> You know, it's hard not to, to want that. 
You know, and I want to put the other elephant in the room out right now too, since Jared talks about how good he's doing on his bracket, which you are. You have some, you have some <laughs> great picks. It's been irritating you. I because you texted oh, yeah. me midway through the, I think it was like Friday or Saturday. You said like uh, you're doing pretty good so far. I'm like, yep. <laughs> well, it, and it hinges a lot now on Gonzaga between you and I, yes. right? Matt's out. He, we already yes, know he's done. Most likely. <laughs> but okay, I took Michigan to win it all, and I know we talked about we were going to be happy if they made the Sweet 16 last week, but. When I was sitting down to fill out my bracket, and and you guys heard me say, I'm in love with this Michigan team. Now, how could I be in love with this team if I'm going to divorce them? So I decided, <laughs> what the hell? I'm going to ride them all the yeah. way through. You know, I'm going with my love. And on top of that, we've talked about how great Juwan Howard is. I mean, in that game against LSU, yeah, he held them together. And then a brilliant coaching move coming out of a timeout. You always hear about how Izzo runs a play out of a timeout. When he brought Dickinson down to the free throw line and then found Wagner for the dunk, yep. when things were going bad at that moment, too. That was brilliant coaching they, move. They did a really good job. I mean, they went to the zone, was really yep. what slowed down LSU's offense in the, in the first half, and they mixed in the press here and there that just kind of switched up. It was, it was things like that that you watch the Illinois game where they literally – where Coach Underwood basically decided that they're going to ride or die with what they've done the entire season, whereas Michigan didn't do that. But the guy that I think – the two guys you have to really shout out is – oh, I guess I'll say three. These guys are the three keys. Brandon Johns, I mean, he didn't play out of this world. He played but well. But he didn't – he played pretty good, which I, well, he played a lot better than I thought he would. He didn't play scared. Position. He yes. did not play scared. Yes. See, and I, and I feel like he almost might be the type of player where you have to almost start him to really get, like, the full – like, I feel like that's, like, where his confidence is fully there. But Shawnee Brown and Eli Brooks, now are they going to be able to re replicate that against Florida State? I don't know, but Shawnee Brown's a hero in Michigan lore for the rest of his life just because of one game, and we needed him to hit every single one of those threes, and he did. Yeah, a lot of timely shots. Brooks in the first half, and then, yeah, Shawnee Brown in the second half. Even Wagner, I mean, he didn't have a huge game on offense, but – he hit a couple big shots, and Dickinson yep. did. Like he, Dickinson didn't have like a huge stat line, but he had a, a, just a solid game. So like all around, it was like a, a team effort. Even Terrence Williams came in and gave like some good minutes when he needed to come in. Yeah, the, the Brandon Johns thing though. I mean, he was obviously like he wasn't like a huge recruit. He wasn't like an Imani Bates type of recruit. Michigan, Mister Basketball. He was, he was a big recruit coming out of East Lansing, going to Michigan. And he's kind of maybe underwhelmed, you know, in his time at Michigan. It seems like to me, kind of like what you guys just said, because he was coming off the bench, he was always, like, looking over his shoulder anytime he turned the ball over or if he missed a shot, he was like, oh, I'm, I'm about yeah. to get subbed out. So he was, like, constantly playing like that, like, scared, kind of like what you just said. And right now, I mean, it, it sucks that Livers is out. Obviously, we would rather Livers be healthy and playing, but Johns isn't looking over his shoulder now. He can just go out there and play, and he's showing why he was kind of highly regarded when he came to Michigan. So I, I saw some people like starting to throw out, like, maybe Michigan's actually better without livers. I'm not going that far. But, you know, sometimes when a guy gets hurt, it allows other people to step up, like Brandon Johns or like Terrence Williams getting some spot duty minutes, and they've stepped up. So I, I don't know. Right now, the one thing is, I will say, and I, we've talked, we've raved about Mike Smith coming mm -hmm. in from Columbia. He's kind of struggled the last couple of games, and you know, hopefully, he, I don't know if, if it's just bad matchups. You know, he's going against bigger guards or something like that. But it would be nice if if he could kind of turn it around a little bit. He doesn't have to go crazy scoring, but you know, he had some bad turnovers and some bad shots. So that maybe be one place that I would say hopefully he kind of turns it around. But otherwise. 
team's playing pretty well. I'll, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, feeling pretty good about Michigan right now. I'll forgive Smith, but I got, I got to tell you, man, I was yelling at him on that TV, man. He was <laughs> driving me crazy. I thought the, yeah. the, the bright lights were getting to him a little bit in that game, you know, because there was some unforced yeah. stuff that, that yeah. happened. So let's hope he rebounds. It, the, the one thing I wish I – and I don't know why, like, it just – I felt like an idiot watching the LSU game, uh, and especially for some reason this stuck out to me when I was watching West Virginia versus Syracuse. Like, West Virginia, they were – if you watch that game at all, the first half, they had no idea what to do against the zone. But they're yelling at each other. They're losing their minds. It's kind of like a Michigan State where you realize that these guys are in, like, an NBA bubble of sorts where we saw that where the closest teams were really the ones that, like, thrived and teams like the Clippers and teams like Michigan State and right. and, and uh, West Virginia, like, they, they fell apart. Like, when they had to be – basically, all they had to do was hang out with each other. They had nothing else to do. And so I just forgot that Michigan is just such a close team, and you saw it in the LSU game where they're like losing their minds every time a bucket is scored on the bench. That I think it really is. That's like a huge part of why they're able to come back, and even when they fell behind early, like they stayed in the game. And I think that's really going to be a like kind of the X factor against teams like Florida State and maybe a team like Alabama that doesn't have that such a strong culture that we're going to be able to maybe make up a few points there. Well, you know, when you talk about a team and being as close as they are, you know, the one stat that just really just boggled my mind in that game that really won the game for them, you know, we're talking about Chande Brown and some of the others. The bench at one time I think it was like 22 to nothing, yeah, something like that, and that paid off big time down the stretch when your legs are getting a little tired and under the lights and all that pressure. Yeah, and the culture thing is big, the bench, and I think it's just like – they, they trust a guy like Shondi Brown to come in. Or even though Terrence Williams is a true freshman, they trust him in his like few minutes when he comes in to you know play some good defense and grab some rebounds. I think they just look everywhere. They'll set up Eli Brooks for threes, or they'll set up you know Dickinson in the post and stuff. So, yeah, I think it's a culture thing, and they just all look around. I think they truly believe, even without livers, that they're still one of the best teams in the country. So that, it goes a long way. Now, not whether – that's going to translate to a win, you know, against Florida State. I guess we'll see. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm back to saying that they they have every right to think that they should be in the Final Four, even, you know, over – Alabama's playing really well. So if they end up playing Alabama, yeah. that'll be big. But I think Michigan has every right to think they should be in the Final Four. Absolutely. One more uh, – let me throw this out about Michigan. Uh, I also This is also a thing that I tweeted out. Um, the old – the moniker, the Tom Izzo, Michigan State, you know – uh, January, February, Izzo, April. How is it when you look at you know all those stats we threw out, all the Sweet 16s, the Elite 8s, the Final 4s, basically we've been the best comp- best team in the Big Ten for the last 10 years plus. How is it, I think at some point we have to transition, that should be like a moving title. That title should now be taken from Michigan State. They shouldn't be, it should almost <laughs> like we should trademark it at this point and it should be applied to Michigan because you can't lie with the results. I mean, we've won Big Ten tournaments, we've done all this. Yes, Izzo in the beginning of his coaching career and Michigan State in the past has like dominated, but it's just they haven't been that way in a long time. So I just 100%, I'm taking that moniker as my own. It's going to be my rallying cry for the rest of this team's run. Thoughts? Hey, I'm with you. I'm with you. The one thing that Michigan needs is that that one title. If they get a national title, yes, I think they're. You can't just immediately say Michigan State's one and Michigan's like one B. Michigan can get a national title. I, I'm right there with you. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. And maybe it is time to slide Michigan in that spot in that first tournament of the year, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll piss off our Sparties, no doubt about it. All right, we're going to have more uh, March Madness and and even more Michigan talk as well, but uh, we're going to get Ryan Terpstra to join us here in just a minute. But first, listen to these very important messages. 
Advanced Elevator Company have the very best trained professional field technicians and project management for installation, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest. Conveniently located with world headquarters in the heart of Owasso, Michigan, the Janka family are longtime huge supporters of the Corona Public Schools. Advanced Elevator Company, area business leaders, and proud member of the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce since 2000. Hankard Sportswear is the area's top clothing and more printing business. Located in the heart of Owasso at 116 West Exchange Street, give them a follow on Facebook at hankard.sportswear. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is a mortgage and land contract services company that's focused on your success. Led by Jim Woodworth, Success Group Mortgage provides one-on-one -on -one service with a personal touch. Located in downtown Owasso, call for an appointment at 989-720-4380 or find more info on the web at successgroupmortgage.com. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official sports bar of Three Point Podcast. Keep supporting them by calling in your takeout orders. That's Rivals Tap House and Grill in Corona at the corner of M21 and State Road. All right, guys, so we got some thoughts out on the Wolverines, and we wanted to bring somebody else in to talk a little Michigan, maybe a little more on the tournament, someone we've had on the show a number of times before, Ryan Terpstra. You can follow him on Twitter, at Terp himself. I worked with him at Fox 17. He's done a bunch of other stuff, radio, and some other things in the media world. But like I said, we want to bring him on to talk about our Wolverines. Moving on to the Sweet 16, Ryan, I'm going to ask you something that I kind of threw out when, when the, the three of us were talking about Michigan. So before Livers got hurt, we were almost like Final Four bust when this team was fully healthy. Livers gets hurt, and we kind of adjusted, maybe like, eh, you know, maybe Sweet 16, and we'll feel pretty good. Now that they're in the Sweet 16, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of back to it's Final Four bust. We're in the Sweet 16. you got to make the Final Four. What do you kind of think? Yeah, so I was definitely with you guys to start off and by the way thanks for having me back on the show it's great to talk to you three i i was a final four national championship level expectations for me because i thought the team was that good and then um, when selection sunday happened after we found out about the livers injury and i saw the draw i thought this is a really going to be a tough draw uh because i thought lsu and loyola were the two best eight nine seeds in the tournament and of course we drew one of them and uh, I thought Sweet 16 was definitely something that I, I wanted to see. But I, I also thought that they could win. And if they could win, I wasn't really scared of what we would face on the other side of the bracket. And because of that, I thought Elite Eight was really my expectation. Because I thought for sure we would run into Texas. Uh, because I have that, I had them in my final four, which my bracket is totally engulfed in flames. <laughs> but or or we would see uh, Alabama, who I expect to see in the Elite Eight now, and um, that was kind of my expectation. But I thought Sweet Sixteen was definitely reasonable for the fan base, and uh, we saw what a game that was against LSU. It really feels like a good accomplishment now, but seeing Florida State, a team we have beaten in a similar spot mm -hmm. like this before in the tournament. Yeah, I want more. I'm with everybody. I want more. I want to get through this game. I want Bama. And I, I think the Final Four is still within reach of this team, which is crazy to say just after a week of watching them play, especially with how downtrodden the whole fan base was when Isaiah went down. So why do you think it? we talked a lot uh, right before you came on about why we think. I mean, you can point to Shonda Brown and Eli Brooks, you know, hot shooting night. But other than maybe just hitting a few shots, why do you think it is that they were able to – 
beat LSU. A lot of people are pointing to Juwan Howard. He made a lot of good adjustments. Uh, Brandon Johns played well. What do you think the key was in your opinion? I think it was the defense. The defense did not waver. And Isaiah is a good leader, and he's certainly at his most value on the offensive end. Mm -hmm. But I thought if they could still play defense, Michigan was going to have a chance to advance. Saw that against LSU. is like LSU never tried to play defense. So they were never going to try and stop Michigan in the first place. But Michigan, if their defense could last, they were going to get scoring opportunities and they could win the game. And eventually, that's what happened. And I thought that if they could keep the defense going, this team could continue to have success. And you knew they could because Shondi is such a great defender. And Franz is still out there along with Dickinson. And Johns just needed to be serviceable in his role and mm-hmm. I thought that they gave Brandon enough time during the regular season that he could step into the starting role and they could keep Shondi coming off the bench giving him that offensive and defensive energy that he provides and I thought Juwan did do something very smart realizing that Mike Smith was having a tough time with the really large guards that LSU had they went to a more um, I guess you could say a bigger lineup with Brooks running the point Shondi at the two, then they would go with Franz and, and Johns and uh, Dickinson or Austin Davis up front, and that was a lineup that countered LSU very, very well. And the ability to do that and move those guys around just proved to be the difference maker for Michigan. But it was their ability to still play great defense, and I think the flexibility they have because the coaching staff has done a great job preparing these guys, and you really can't say enough about what Mike and, and Shondi bring mm-hmm. to the table as senior grad transfer level people with experience as being like the guy and yet buying into this team. I thought that this team's construction could recover losing a guy, even like Isaiah. And it took them a couple games to get used to it, but they really found their stride, especially in the second half against LSU. I'm right with you there, Ryan, especially since I, I stuck with the Wolverines even after the liver's injury. You know, I just thought they had enough and they're showing it right now that, that, they're, they're a deep team. question I have for you is, was the Big Ten overrated, or is this just a bad stretch? I think it's totally a bad stretch. I, we saw them play game after game against talented team after talented team year, all year long, getting upset in, in maybe one of the most upset-riddled tournaments in history is um, just kind of par for the course right now. You can look and say what happened to the Big 12, uh, a mm-hmm. lot like you can say what happened to the Big Ten. And I don't think the conference is overrated. Uh, we watched a lot of good basketball, and we saw a lot of talented players. People love to take their pot shots because they came in with all this fanfare, having multiple high seeds, having teams trash talk to the other teams, you know, like Illinois. One of my favorite jokes is seeing, like, oh, is Illinois going to claim Michigan's Sweet 16 berth now after, like, them fighting about having, you know, who is the conference champion? I thought there's – really good teams out there and uh, I was disappointed to see the Big Ten not do as well as they should have but I don't think the conference is overrated yeah I'm, I'm kind of with you I think and we know March Madness is all about matchups and maybe some of these teams just kind of had bad matchups and I think it was like you said it was just a bad stretch the Big Ten still a very well look at me Matt but... I mean look at what Gonzaga got for their draw and look at Illinois getting Loyola or Michigan getting LSU. Now, Michigan got through LSU, but Gonzaga plays a completely different type of game, but instead they draw, you know, Oklahoma, who really just doesn't put up enough of a fight, but it was not a high enough ranked 
8-9 matchup, and, and I thought Loyola was misseeded. So Illinois yeah. really got, um, I thought, jobbed out of that, and that's what needs to happen sometimes. <laughs> Is you just need to get lucky with the draw, and that's where I see Gonzaga just has a straight pass to the final because there's no one in their way. Yeah, especially now. I mean, the one team maybe some people thought was Iowa could trip them up, and obviously they're gone now. So, yeah, I'm kind of with you there. Uh, we, we were talking earlier, too, again, about Michigan, and, and Jared's ready to take the January-February Izzo <laughs> away from Michigan State, and he's ready to crown it January-February either Michigan or Beeline or Juwan, whatever you want to do. Because of the success that Michigan has had over the last eight, ten years, you know, in, in uh, March Madness play, how impressed are you? At, you know, we haven't talked to you since, you know, Juwan came in and has kept things rolling from Beeline. How, how impressed are you that Juwan has had all this success in just a couple of years of being head coach at Michigan? I, I honestly can't believe it, guys. Every Everything that Michigan football fans thought – Jim Harbaugh was going to be, Jawan Howard is, and he is it in year two. And you got to think, we didn't even get to see this guy in the tournament last year. So we have, this is our first experience with him in a tournament setting. And he got his feet wet last year, but he never got to coach in the tournament. And you're seeing what he brings to the table from his moxie, his preparedness, his energy, his adjustments. The guy's got it all. And now it's like, holy cow, the sky is the limit, right? Like, this is what what was supposed to happen to football. Harbaugh comes in, mm-hmm. he gets that, like, he gets the juice running from being in the NFL, he crafts the next great lineage of quarterbacks at Michigan, we start beating Ohio State and contending for Big Ten titles and national championships. It hasn't happened. Juwan Howard, a, uh, I mean, I know there's plenty of folks out there that panned his hire saying, oh, this is just a press conference winning hire. This guy will never succeed in the Big Ten. That's big boy conference basketball. Hmm. Has come in and just obliterated all expectations for him in his second year. And now you look at him, you're like, this guy just won Big Ten Coach of the Year. I think he's the national coach of the year. He is showing already that he can traverse the NCAA tournament, having avoided a landmine in LSU with coaching adjustments that were needed to do so to win that game, adjusting his team after the loss of a senior star player. And this guy is bringing in the number one recruiting class in college basketball. The momentum behind Juwan Howard could not possibly be higher. And you're thinking, like, this is literally every everything you could possibly say, good that could happen out of this hire is coming true. And it's coming true almost immediately, which is it blows my mind that it happened this fast. And then you're just like, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. It couldn't happen to a better representation of the university. This, I mean, how often does it seem like a home run so early on? Nope. Now, granted, this season is not yet over, and he still has to con- continue to contend. But it really looks like he has set up this program for a massive amount of success. And in terms of the Michigan State thing, for the last five years, Michigan has been to the Sweet 16. That is a beeline plus Howard success rating, and they have been to national championship games. And you just have to give it to them that Michigan State is still a premier program, but Michigan's joined them. I don't think Michigan has displaced them. I don't see MSU going anywhere. But Michigan has joined them, and Michigan right now is the recent standard bearer 
for March tournament success. Yep, I agree. I, I'm still, maybe it's just the spite in me. I'm still, I need Izzo to show me a little bit more recently. Maybe it's just, what have you done for me lately type thinking. Uh, but looking ahead to the Florida State game, uh, I'm just going to sh- say what, I, what I'm worried about. I'm worried about Florida State's size. I mean, I'm just looking at their starting lineup, 6'5", 6'6", 6'8", 6'9", and 6'9". Mm-hmm. Going against, I mean, like Mike Smith, and we're a little bit smaller without livers. I'm worried about that. I'm also worried about the fact that Dickinson hasn't really played against teams with these sort of athletes at the five position. Sure, he's played against Garza's and Kofi Coburn, who couldn't really run, but he could dunk it. I'm worried about Dickinson's ability to get up and down the floor and put the potential of maybe us just getting run out of the gym like an Iowa versus Oregon type situation and just their size overwhelming us. Are you worried about that? I am a little worried about what Hunter's going to do in the post because where he struggles is when he gets swarmed. He really did well in the Big Ten when they tried to play him straight up or with like kind of standard doubles. But these long, lengthy, bouncy, six foot nine kind of guys have seemed to bother him in the past. Like he even had some struggles against Texas Southern, who was vastly undersized, but their guys were, you know, they could jump a little mm-hmm. bit. They had long arms and they got in the passing lanes. Florida State, I mean, this is kind of like looking in the mirror, guys, when you look at the scouting report. They play really good defense. They are opportunistic shooters, and they're balanced. And so they, they are like a less good version of Michigan or a, a less good version of when Michigan was at their best. Mm-hmm. I still think Michigan is better than them, though. And Florida State has a turnover problem. Michigan has to force more turnovers than they did against LSU because LSU didn't turn the ball over till in the second half when they got their first one. But I think what Michigan needs to do is continue to play the defense they've been playing because Florida State really shoots it well from three. They're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. And then they've got to force turnovers and force them to make mistakes because it's going to be a war on both ends. Florida State defends well. They're not going to give up a lot of easy buckets. You're going to have to earn it. So I think if Michigan can make them earn it as well, eventually it's a war of attrition that probably goes Michigan's way. And the Wolverines have shown that they can win games down the stretch when they've been close. Uh, Their losses have usually, outside the Ohio State game, which they came back to make close at the end, they've performed better in games that have been tight. They've lost big to Minnesota, lost big to Illinois, let Michigan State kind of run away with it as well. So I I have confidence in them in a tight game. And I think that Florida State has a little bit of a mental disadvantage because Michigan's been in this spot and beaten this school. So they might have a chip on their shoulder, but I still think that that carries some weight with guys like Eli Brooks and you know Wagner mm-hmm. and and those guys, Brandon Johns, that have been there and played this team before. And uh, I would like to you know I'd like to see them execute with confidence because when they play with confidence, uh, they play at their best. All right, last question, Turp, before we let you get out of here. Uh, reset your bracket. Who's your final four? Uh, it's Gonzaga, Alabama. Baylor and Houston. All right. That sounds like a good one. Hey, we really appreciate the time. Uh, before we let you go, tell our listeners where they can catch up with you. Yeah, I guess I'm just a member of Michigan Twitter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can find me there, interact. It's probably the best place uh, to get at me for sports takes. Yeah, just uh, follow me there. It's always great to up the conversation online. And that's a party, man. People <laughs> are discovering apps where they can chat. Um, and, you know, of course, I interact with you guys on there as well. And I really like the, you know, the conversation amongst the fan base, but also just people being able to break things down and talk about this uh, run that the team has been on. It's been 
been fun to see everybody get into it, especially since we've been so locked down and not be able to share it uh, in the stadiums or in the uh, at the games together. So the online conversation has been a lot of fun to be a part of. Just outstanding. Way to bring it to the podcast. We really appreciate it. It's been too long. We'll catch up with you down the road, Ryan. Please do, and I hope uh, Blue brings it on Sunday night. Let's go. Yep. Go Blue. <laughs> wow, outstanding stuff there from Ryan Terpstra. Always loved catching up with him and college basketball. And we're going to have more college basketball talk right after this. Nelson House Funeral Homes' top goal is to serve the families in our community. The number one priority is caring for our friends and neighbors and being right there when you need them the most. Check out more information on the web at nelson-house.com. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is a mortgage and land contract services company that is focused on your success. The home financing team has over 25 years experience and origination of all types of loans. Led by Jim Woodworth, Success Group Mortgage provides one-on-one -on -one service with a personal touch. You're not lost in the crowd like working with a mega-sized bank. Every transaction is given complete attention from the very beginning to the end. Located in downtown Owasso, call today for an appointment at 989-720-4380 or find more information on the web at successgroupmortgage.com. Sheridan Auction Service always has a wide variety of items and real estate on the docket. Stay up to date by checking their website at sheridanauctionservice.com. Looking out for you, Sheridan Auction Service. Advanced Elevator Company have expert field technicians for troubleshooting, repair, and installation of elevators. An area business leader and a huge supporter of the Corona Public Schools. Advanced Elevator. All right, so the Pac-12 is for, and I think rightfully so, uh, they're 9-1 and one right now in the tournament. Uh, but the entire um, season, they have really gotten no buzz at all. I, to be honest, I didn't know any of these players really coming into the tournament, and I feel like that's why that's the one part of my bracket that I just flat out didn't see coming was the Pac-12. And if I'm the Pac-12 and I'm like their you know, conference spokesperson, I understand they're on the West Coast. If there ever was a year, why did they not schedule their games to compete with the Big Ten, compete with the SEC, the Big 12, ACC? Because the more and more I look up and down at these teams, Mick Cronin, UCLA's coach, Dane Altman, Oregon's coach, uh, the brands, the players, the like, just the flat out like the play style, like watching Oregon, what a blast that game was against Iowa. Why is it that they have not like decided, you know what, we're going to go after their market, we're going to schedule our games to be played in Eastern time zones? Why just why haven't they done that? I just don't understand that because I'm watching Big Ten play. We we were pretty much glued to the Big Ten all year, watching Kofi Coburn and Luca Garza and basically Iowa, who plays a style that is a lot like what these other teams do, but these other teams do it ten times better, which we saw against Oregon and quicker <laughs> and quicker. Yes, so I just don't understand why is it that it takes like a tournament or something like this for us to get our eyes on them. Let's change it up. Why don't they switch it up? I'm just I'm putting that question aloud to you guys. Well, there's there's one answer, and it's it's pretty obvious. It's TV. It's TV, and it's TV money. I mean, there's there's no way that they would want to. I get what you're saying. I totally get what you're saying because right. Why would you not want to try and get more eyes on your product? But if you move to the Eastern Time Zone, I know right now it's different. A lot of people are working from home, and it's different right now. But traditionally. If you move Oregon games, UCLA games to the Eastern time zone, a lot of those people out there who are fans who would actually really want to be watching are still at work or are still in school. So, I mean, it, it really is like 
100% about TV and, and yeah, obviously the time zone. Because, I, I mean, I know I, I definitely am not saying I was like a Pac-12 expert or I was locked in, but I did do I did two or three UCLA games this year during the regular season, a couple of USC games. So I did get to watch a little bit of Pac-12, but those games were always at 10 o'clock at night yeah. or whatever. So, so I get what you're saying. You know, usually it'd be like a 7 o'clock Big Ten game leading into our 10 o'clock uh, Pac-12 game. So I, I get what you're saying, but it's 100% about TV. All about the money. Yeah, it is. And in fact, one of our uh, loyal listeners, I think it was Miggy Incognito, said that, uh, hey, they got it made, man. It's Paction out there. You know, they have the late night to themselves. They got Bill Walton calling the games. I mean, yep. it's not a bad spot to be in when you come to the it's tournament. It's not fair to one. Like, it, it hurt. I feel like it hurts their recruiting. I guess they're just stuck to the West, the West Hasn't Coast. Hasn't hurt their play, after. has it? No. <laughs> but that's because I just, you look at it, they have heck of, co- they have really good coaches. I mean, Dane Altman, one heck of a coach. Mick Cronin, we've seen what he did at Cincinnati, and now he's doing it at UCLA. Why is it's just not fair to them, I guess. And I understand everything you're saying. You know, clearly they have all the eyes on them at that time, and they get the money from it and all this and that. But it's just I feel a little bit bamboozled at the fact that, man, the best conference of ba- in basketball this year, and I know a lot of people are saying, oh, the Big Ten just got upset, this or that. At the end of the day, the tournament is what matters. That's what I'm always going to judge whether a conference was really good that season or not. They are the best conference, and yet we didn't watch them at all. It just—it's just, just kind of like it's like what? What was I watching? Was I, I was too busy watching Michigan State and Ohio State slug it out in uh, like a Tuesday night game? Like when I should have been watching this high-flying, uh, like up and down pace of the Pac-12. Like it's just—I I feel a little bit misled. Is all. If we're if we're being honest, though, I think you're maybe being a little prisoner of the moment. Pac-12 has looked awesome, ton of fun, especially seeing UCLA beat Mich- Michigan State. Of course, we love that. Uh, well, except for you, Ted. You, you probably did not like that. But, <laughs> you know, I think you're being a little prisoner of the moment because this maybe is a little East Coast bias. You know, a lot of the people on the West Coast, they complain about East Coast bias. If they, if a UCLA-Oregon game before the tournament, before you knew that those teams were kind of fun, regular season, UCLA-Oregon was up against North Carolina-Duke or Michigan-Michigan State, you really going to tune into that Pac-12 game? here's the I think that what it would do is I would definitely consider it at this point no one's even awake to watch them so there's not there's not that option after uh, like I just feel like no one on the east coast is awake everyone on the west coast is out of work and out of school they're watching yes I I understand that I'm just saying as more of a national brand (laughs) I'm thinking if I'm the Pac-12 like it, it just it's we're watching EJ EJ Liddell and like just these the slow boring Illinois like these boring styles it's just I feel like there really is a market for them to come in and take some of these viewers and sure they can still control the you know the late night because they're gonna be the only ones that can play that late so they can have some of their lesser teams play in that hour still but why not put some of these guys at prime time position if I'm ESPN you're an ESPN I'm not sure you know whether you could put it put a put a put this in somebody's ear but why not a UCL UCLA versus USC game why is that not ever a prime time game it's never prime time well, I think it's a good compromise. I'll let Matt answer your direct question, but I mean, there's no reason why you can't have matchups and different tournaments, you know, with Pac Pac-12 teams involved. You're saying just put a Pac-12 matchup in prime time here in the East. The the big, I mean, just like what we do for you know the Big Ten or any of these other Eastern Coast Conference teams mm-hmm. is like you know if there's a really good ranked matchup, put it at seven o'clock on you know Eastern a time Saturday. zone on a Tuesday on a Tuesday. Saturday. Just like I just I just feel like that they're we're doing a disservice to these players like guys like Evan Mobley who I'm watching for the first time this season who's dunking on everybody and blocking shots and doing all this stuff. 
it shouldn't take for them to make a run in the tournament for me to know who these guys are. That's the only thing I'm saying. No, I think that's definitely fair, and it would be cool to see. I mean, UCLA, they're kind of up and down. They're obviously good this year. It would be cool to see that more prime time. So, yes, the, the rest of the country can actually get to see these guys play because, I mean, we talked about it with Terp a little bit a few minutes ago. The Big Ten has gotten run in this tournament. The Big 12 has gotten run a little bit. The ACC, you know, North Carolina and Duke didn't even make the tournament. Or, well, basically didn't. North Carolina, yeah, North Carolina did, but they already lost. But, you know, so, I mean, yeah, these other conferences that are supposed to be the elite conferences are kind of getting, you know, kind of getting exposed a little bit, I guess. And the Pac-12 is looking really good. So, like, what do you guys think? Like, we talked about it with Terp, that the matchups are a big thing. Loyola probably was, you know, probably underseeded. They were. Um, some of these other teams, yeah, they're probably misseeded also. Like, do you, you think that this, you know, all these upsets and everything, everyone's loving these upsets. Oral Roberts, you know, upsetting Ohio State and all these other upsets that are going on. Do you think it's just like misseeding, or do you think it's just? I kind of more think it's these are teams that are more experienced. They've played a lot of basketball together. You know, they have guys that have played more ball together for the last two or three years, beating these teams that are just kind of less experienced. And I think experience is a big thing come March Madness. I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, and I'll put my bias aside. I think Michigan State should have probably beat UCLA. I mean, they blew it. Um, in terms of Iowa, I feel like Iowa just kind of like the doing what they're doing with the like with Patrick McCaffrey and you saw it, Luca Garza was unstoppable. It didn't matter; they still lost by twenty. Yeah, like with those athletes, like I don't understand how you really expect to make these these big tournament runs uh, playing this up and down style. I don't see it. And then with the Illinois versus Loyola Chicago game, sure, maybe Loyola Chicago was a bit underseated, but it's like, did you watch? Like, if you watch the game, it's like, what the hell was going on with the coaching? It's you, like Cameron Crutwig. Third, like everyone wants to say, like, oh, he's a goofy, you know, he cares around harmonica, all this and that. <laughs> but he's he's a third team All American for a reason, and they just flat out basically let him do whatever he wanted. Basically, let him just play point forward. They couldn't pressure him at all because no matter what, he was always going to be wide open for just a release valve. They never like Brad Underwood just made no like my dad almost had an aneurysm watching the game. I'm pretty sure because they didn't make any like they didn't make any adjustments. As soon as they went down ten, they kept it was like it was like Groundhog's Day watching what was happened. Oh, uh, Illinois is going to make a little bit of a run. Coburn gets a dunk here, but then Loyola is just going to come right back around with these little like dribble handoffs and get basically whatever look they want. It just like I feel like it's partly coaching, and then you have Ohio State. As soon as the ships were down, they went Dwayne Washington hero mode. Oh, my god. Which, goodness. like, you just only have yourself to blame for that one as well. And they choked yep. away a game. So, it's like, yeah, under seeding, like, maybe it was just a game here, a game there. But I just feel like these teams had a lot of glaring weaknesses that kind of were exploited when they got out of the Big Ten and started facing, like, some other coaches who had fresh set of eyes on these teams. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, we've seen, you know, like, Wisconsin has made a run. Obviously, Michigan State has made a number of runs. Virginia, you know, playing that slow style of play, won a title a couple of years yeah. ago. Obviously, they, they lost in this March Madness. But, you know, it does seem like I, – I think it's one of those things, too, like you just have to, like, get hot. And, you know, maybe like Oral Roberts has just gotten on a roll. Loyola, they're, they're confident they've gotten on a roll. And, you know, that's, I guess, kind of what you hope with Michigan. They always have been confident, but now they lost livers. and not, But now that they've won some games without livers, Maybe this is really giving them the confidence because I think that's a big thing too. Because you know, maybe some teams they they go into it like you know, like Virginia was coming off the COVID. They they dropped out of the ACC tournament because they got COVID, so maybe they were almost like checked out. North Carolina, maybe they were a little checked out. They knew they weren't very good. So I think that's a big thing. So I, I don't know. I'm not like that down on the Big Ten, 
But it was kind of like crazy to see all the, the big dogs in the Big Ten lose. Do you guys think that this year's more upsets than normal years are about the same? I mean, it seems like every tournament. I think it is, and I'll be the first one. That's probably why my bracket is doing well, because every year I pick about 40 upsets, you right. know, just to basically do what I've been doing, which is as soon as one hits, you just kind of c- celebrate it for, <laughs> you know, the entire week. Um, yeah, I, I, but I love it. And I think that's why a lot of people are saying like, oh, this March Madness doesn't have the same feel. I will say this, like the fan, the amount of fans that they have there. And you, the very first thing Cameron Crutwig said, you know, they haven't played in front of fans the entire year. Right. And so the, the very minimal amount of fans they have feels like an entire stadium full, like to them. Yeah. So I just think that it has the same March Madness feel. I personally felt like no fans in the stands, the bubble, everything in Indianapolis. It hasn't taken anything away from it in my, in my opinion. But one thing I, last thing I will say about the big 10 is I don't maybe it's just me, but it jumped off the screen. Is it's like you watch Oregon, you watch Florida State, you watch Arkansas. Like they just look so like uber athletic. And then even like a team like Michigan, it's like we really don't have like that great of athletes like on our team. We got a really lot of good basketball players, but it just seems like that also is like a reason that might have played into the tournament where just getting like out athleted like at every position, just something to think about. Yeah, I think it's similar to football. It's what we see in football. We know. At least traditionally, I know things have changed a little bit and the style of play has changed in football and basketball. But, you know, Big Ten used to really be about, like, power run games and, you know, like big, beefy offensive linemen and just, like, a power game. And I think basketball is kind of similar. It's more of a physical. You have, you have big guys like Garza and Dickinson. And where, as opposed to, you know, like LSU, their biggest guys are, like, 6'9". Or you, you rattled off Florida State's starting lineup, and their, their biggest guy is 6'9 also. So... You know, I think maybe guys recruit in the Big Ten to play that style of ball more, and, you know, it could be good, it could be bad, because obviously, like, yeah, Garza went off for Iowa, you know, in their game a couple nights ago, but they didn't have the, like you said, they didn't have the rest of the athletes to pick up the rest of the slack. So, you know, it's just a different, I, I don't know, <laughs> kind of like what, what kind of balance do you want? Because obviously, like, Hunter Dickinson is very good, but he's going to be going up against another super athletic Florida State front line, so I guess you'll see like who steps up. But yeah, well, you know who's impressed me too is he doesn't get a lot of press or publicity. Is is uh, Dickinson's backup there, Davis? I mean, he plays yeah. solid. He, he gives him good minutes he when, when he when he has to. Uh, I was going to ask you guys to kind of bring this full circle. Uh, we talked about it at the beginning of the podcast, you know, the different format for uh, rounds one and two. How, how do you like the Sweet 16 with uh, Saturday, like, Sunday, Monday, I Tuesday? I don't understand why they're doing that. I, it should, I think it should be the same exact thing. Like, why would they not just do Friday through Monday again? It, that makes 100% sense to me. Yeah. I hate it. That is one complaint. I, I, don't, I just flat out don't understand why they did that. I read something that it was because of, like, all the logistics of the COVID stuff making sure all the games were, like, spaced out enough. I, I, I forget all the specifics, but I did read something about that. Like, it was a COVID thing, but it was it, I, it almost didn't, like, make sense to me because the teams that are still there, they're not leaving Indianapolis. Like, they're all, they're all still there. So, I, 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 don't, I didn't really understand, like, that being the reasoning. Because, yeah, like, as we started this whole thing off talking about, like you said, Ted, we're coming full circle, yep. that the Monday games are kind of cool, and that, that is. But Tuesday's going to feel pretty weird. I don't know. I don't know if it's just a Tuesday thing, but like, you know, if Michigan does win on Sunday and they play in the Elite Eight on Tuesday, that's just going to feel odd. It is. Uh, I can't believe we've gone this long without talking about uh, Michigan State and Tom Izzo. <laughs> it, it felt, it feels like it happened, you know, a year ago. Uh, but I, I don't know about you guys, but watching that, and I know people are going to say, oh, classic Izzo, classic this, and 
it's just like, what a psycho. And I know that you guys are saying like, oh, like you're just biased Michigan State or this is that. But but then you have guys like Draymond Green who says, oh, this is like, relax. This is just a regular Michigan State interaction. I hear that and I think, okay, well, either that is true and Izzo is about to fight guys in the middle of practice like all the time, which is almost worse than if it was just a one, one-off incident. Or Draymond Green's just saying that. I, I don't know. Gabe Brown looked like he was almost going to fight him. A Gabe Brown just kind of like a role player pretty much on MSU was just like not even respecting Izzo. It's kind of – it's like – Well, it's, he didn't like it, Izzo grabbing yes, him. I'll tell you that felt, much. It felt problematic for so many different reasons. And how do you not point out the fact that Michigan State's up 11 before that happens and they go minus 17 afterwards? Like it's just – I don't know. It's just weird in many different reasons. Weird for many different reasons. It's the same thing uh, against Maryland in the Big Ten tournament. They were up by six or something like that when Izzo picked up a technical, and and obviously they ended up losing that game. So I, I don't know. Different teams respond differently. But I, one of my buddies that I work with, he I, I work with him fairly often. He went to Michigan State, and he was a video coordinator for the basketball team through the Draymond years. So he was there. Yeah. Draymond was on the team and everything. And he has, he's told me multiple times, that what you see on the court, those psycho moments you're talking about, Jared, doesn't even like scratch the surface <laughs> of how practices are. So, I mean, he didn't he didn't come right out and say like things get physical, but you know, he said he said what you see on the court during games that's nothing compared to practice. So, I don't know. I think it's. I, I honestly think I, I jokingly, but I do kind of believe it. You know, like <laughs> Trump. You know, Trump used to throw out like I could be on Fifth Avenue in New York and murder someone and by my followers still wouldn't care. I think Sparty Nation is almost like Trump followers. I think they don't care what Izzo does on the sidelines as long as, like you said, Draymond Green is coming out and saying, that's just how it is. Or Delvon Rowe even tweeted out, like, that's winning culture. That's what Michigan State is. As long as former players continue to say they're cool with it and current players aren't, like, all of a sudden transferring and, like, bouncing from the team, I think Sparty Nation just doesn't care what Izzo does. He's up on a pedestal, and they're going to be cool with whatever he does. He, he has a lifetime contract at Michigan State, rightfully so. He's been great, obviously. But I don't think they care what he does on the sidelines. Here, Should he get in trouble for it? No. But I think, like, one, you guys always talk about, like, oh, like this generation, you know, they're so young, they're so weak, they're so weak-minded, this or that. I think that, like, the way, like you said, if that is their normal culture, do I think that works with guys like Mateen Cleaves and Draymond Green? Yes. Do I think it works with Foster Lawyer and crew? No. So I think that it's, like, almost like where a lot of coaches have changed how they act. Tom Izzo may just be stuck like in his old ways. And maybe that's why you're seeing that in the recent like last, you know, seven, eight years. They haven't had nearly as much success as they did the fifteen years prior to that. I, I don't know. Well, Is there, it causation there, or correlation? There, there's something there's something to be said about that. And it, as Matt set up, Izzo is there as long as he wants to be there. You know, I can't see it collapsing. I can't see him being forced out. He'll leave when he feels like he's had enough, you know. But you make a fair point. Izzo is kind of in the same mold as Bob Knight and, and some of these hardcore old time coaches and then and the kids coming up, they aren't used to that. They're used to be and you know, they're used to being coddled, which is all right, but it's a different time and, and the successful coaches like we're gonna see Juwan Howard moving forward be very successful at Michigan because he relates to the and players. Doing the, yeah, the exact opposite. Opposite, right. It, so it's, I, just, it's just like I don't know how does that bode well with recruits. And I mean, people are gonna say, "Oh, well, they have the number, like the generational talent coming uh, in Amani Bates." He's which, not coming there, which I understand. You know, we'll see. Time will tell whether or not he actually goes. But I don't know. I genuinely think that it, it is a problem, and if it is typical MSU behavior, I think it needs to change. And you know, I'm like, 
coaching Tom Izzo how to coach, but yeah, he's not going to change. No, Let's and so it. I mean, and I'm sure they'll probably will make a run to the Final Four, you know, within the next few years or whatever. And I'll have to change my opinion, or somebody will try to change my opinion. But I don't. I just feel like that's not how coaching is done anymore, for better or for worse. Should he be fired over it? Should he be penalized at all for it? But do I think that it makes it brings the best out of his team? No. Yeah, and I'm I'm definitely with you. And the biggest thing to me is when he grabbed Gabe Brown. I know we're kind of going along on uh, a long time on this Izzo thing. <laughs> when he grabbed Gabe Brown, that's that's when I kind of have a little bit of a problem with it because that's like a that's like a power move. Like if if he if he thinks he can grab Gabe Brown like that and pull him back, to me, Gabe Brown should have every right to shove him back if he wants to. Like if you can put your hands on me, I should be able to put my hands on you. And if, if I did that, oh, you know, Gabe Brown would be like kicked off the team, or, you know, his minutes would be taken away, and that's not right. So I just, I just don't like that kind of coaching at all. But maybe, maybe that's just me. One last thing that I think we should probably throw out on the table, unless there's other things that uh, before maybe we preview next tournament, is uh, it's the big thing that's been the big storyline this week is the women's, you know, weight room versus the men's weight room. And it's not only just the, the, that, it's also like the food and, you know, a lot of the other things that have kind of came down the pipe. Obviously, uh, Mark Emmer and them just totally screwed the pooch on this one. Uh, but one question I will have just about the women's tournament in general, and you know maybe it is TV or this or that, why do they schedule their tournament the exact same time as the men's tournament? I understand like we're all about equality and this or that, but there's a difference between like just being like equality and just like stupidity. You don't see the college football you know scheduling their games on Sunday to compete with the NFL. Like why would they not? You're telling me that you would not be more inclined to watch the tournament if it was in February. You know when we're kind of dying for like some kind of like games that actually like matter at the end of the college basketball season. You're telling me that you wouldn't be more inclined to watch a Final Four game like at the end of February when we're in the lull of the college basketball season than at the same exact time as the men's tournament. I just never have understood why they've always done that. It's something that just drives me insane. You're going to get more eyes on you. Yes, I know you want to play basketball at the same time. Everything wants to be the same, but why would you not want more eyes on your product? And I think that would be if you played your season a little bit earlier than the men's. I don't know. That's just one thing. I, I think. I'll just make it very simple. 100% agree with you. You're you're absolutely right. I mean, I, you know, I always was against when they had the high school schedule here at one time. They had the girls play basketball in the fall. They had the gym to themselves. They had the press to themselves. That's a little different than what you're talking about, but I agree. Why are they going head to head? They're just not going to get the the fans there, and yeah. they're not going to get the ratings. Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably a discussion that's been had a number of times. Because yeah, that's how it was when I was in high school. Uh, girls basketball was in the fall. So, right, they had the gym to themselves, like you just said. I wonder if it's just like college, you know, because these are supposed to be student athletes. So maybe, you know, maybe maybe it's like a scheduling thing, you know. Maybe they, they can't have women's basketball in the fall, so they have to have it in the winter with the men's. You know, I don't know how all that works. But, yeah, the NCAA has dropped the ball with the NCAA tournament, the women's NCAA tournament, Big everything time. that they've messed up. So it, it's kind of a shame to see that. But the scheduling, I mean, I'm sure – you know, ESPN, yes, they do. They, they carry the women's tournament. I'm sure they want to put some games up against the men's tournament to try and pull some people away from CBS and away from those men's games and to the women's games. But they did. Look, they had a full slate of games last night, and there weren't men's games last night. So, you know, they do adjust it a little yeah. bit. But, yeah, if you're just straight up the women's game going up against the men's March Madness, that that's a tough – that's a tough competition, I guess. And, you know, I kind of gloss – yeah, exactly. I agree. I, um, I, we kind of glossed over the fact of, like, the how uneven the – like, just the, the weight room and all that sort of stuff was. 
But Jay Billis has been basically, you know, saying it how it is. Really. And that's why I love it. Every time there's a problem with the NCAA, he's the very first one he to speak up. out um, against them. And it's just funny how the most recent news regarding this issue is Mark Emmert, who everyone basically hates. and is. But regardless, he somehow is still the NCAA. You know, he's, he's, he's had this job for as long he's as I can remember. Czar. He is. Uh, he basically said that he's going to, quote, unquote, like – investigate how this like happened with the woman's weight room and this and that and jay billis basically said like you're the reason it's it's a leadership <laughs> issue how it just seems so easy like how, how do you look at that weight room and obviously maybe it doesn't have to be to the same qualifications as the men's because there's you know it's it, got to be a real a weight more, room but it's least. got yeah but you have to have basically what it has now which is i mean how hard is it to put five power racks you know a few benches uh and a few dumbbell things like it's almost it's almost would have been better off if they just didn't have a weight room compared to the weight room that they put out there one set of that i kid you not i have a better setup in my basement <laughs> i have a bet they, they would have been better off driving and working out in my basement than they would have been working out at the weight room that they made for them and then and then the ncaa is kind of like just patting themselves on the back for the weight room that they have now like putting up strobe lights and all this other stuff in the women's tournament the damage is done yeah uh, but it doesn't start and end with the weight room i mean it's just been it's always been that way i'm not sure why it, clearly maybe you know the, the argument's always been like oh should women's sports be paid as much as men's sports no but like should they be able to have like the same amount like of opportunities in the ncaa tournament when it's the same organization and something as simple as a, they're not asking for much. They're asking for a weight room, the same like food that the men get. Uh, like it's why is that so hard? It seems like it would almost be hand in hand where it'd be, oh, the woman get this, the men get this. I, but I don't know. Maybe it's a lot harder than that. But I don't think it is. No, yeah, I don't. I don't think it's hard at all. I think it's just people have to do their job. And I, I saw some people, you know, and and maybe it did happen. Whoever was in charge of like organizing that stuff, maybe just dropped the ball. I think it was like an overall thing that. The NCAA just didn't take the women's tournament as seriously as they did the men. And that, that's the shame of it all. Because, right, I mean, you just laid it all out. They should have equal opportunity. They should have everything that the men do. People always say, like, well, that, that sport doesn't make as much money. Or, you know, the men's uh, tournament makes a lot more money than the women's, which obviously is true, but that shouldn't matter. And, you know, the NCAA just dropped the ball. There's there's no way around it. And, and hopefully we're, like, working towards, like, with Jay Billis and a lot of the other people – that are trying to, I guess, expose the NCAA and all this kind of stuff. Hopefully we're working towards a little more equality because it's not like it's not like the NCAA is hurting for money. They easily could have taken care of that. You know, it's funny. We're bringing, we're talking about this, which we haven't talked about women's sports in quite a while here, and, and all good points. It's funny that we're recording this on uh, Wednesday, and I think today is the anniversary of uh, the equal pay bill or something that I yeah. just heard on the news today. So, yeah, they got to do some changes there for sure, and they should be on an equal footing for the exposure they get. Now, what do you do, though, for the, for the men's, you know, the men's basketball draws so much revenue compared to the women. They're not asking for, you know, the – the. they're not. They're asking for, the like, a weight room. The same opportunities, they, I get room. that. Like I said, this is – like, how hard is it to have, like, not lunchroom food? Right. How hard is it to literally pay for a few power racks? You probably don't even have to pay for them. Just borrow them from some college and have them bring them along. Well, you said it right at the beginning with Billis. I mean – leadership all the yes. way it's the leadership it's ridiculous that they let that slide like that it should never happen it it doesn't it's, it boggles my mind it, it really does it boggles a lot of people's mind and i think that's why it's been such a uh you know uproar about it but how about the fact that tiktok you know was the <laughs> was the source behind this you know the young kids um was app. it now it was <laughs> 
just something to throw out there. You know, maybe we're not all we're not all idiots. Well, see, it goes right back to that whole generational thing we were talking about, Izzo. You know, I mean, kids your age and you know your generation, you're changing things. Things are things are going to have to change, and that's that's the way it is in life. You know, just yeah, how it goes. People, I mean, we're, this is this is getting a little sideways. A lot of people who don't like. You know, they like throwing out the cancel culture thing or that people now are, like, too sensitive and stuff like that, which may be true in some situations. But I think stuff like this, it, you know, maybe the younger generation, TikTok or, like, some of the social media, that's where, like, this stuff is getting exposed in a good way. Mm-hmm. You know, if people weren't talking about this, if people weren't – I keep using the word exposed, but that's all I keep thinking. People weren't exposing the stuff that is – you know, people are treating – the women's game unfairly, then nothing would ever change. You know, if people didn't bring this up, if people didn't post videos or pictures of this, like, joke of a weight room, then the NCAA would never change anything because the NCAA wouldn't care. They're still making a ton of money. Who cares, you know? So, yeah, like, sometimes this stuff, it does need to be exposed. And so people can finally actually, like, see what's wrong and make a change. So hopefully it's not as easy as you're saying, like, boom, everything's going to change. But, you know, leadership is the big thing. Because obviously at the top of the NCAA, they don't really care as much about the women's game, and and that's where it starts. Amen. Well, I think we've covered some good topics here. Any final thoughts on uh, either tournament? Uh, I just want to throw out uh, I'm doing pretty – I know obviously I had the bad LSU pick, live bet. Like I said, live bets, they don't count, uh, in my opinion, Uh, even though I did the – All that counts right now is Matt, me, and you. That's all that counts. Uh, But two (laughs) picks I do love. Uh, Syracuse plus 250 underdog versus Houston. If you were impressed with Houston against Rutgers, I'm not sure what game you were watching. They really should have oh, lost yeah. against Rutgers. They got lucky. Rutgers kind of choked at the end. Uh, so I love, love Syracuse in that game. The zone has messed teams that are a lot better, uh, have messed up West Virginia and t- tournament after tournament, the Syracuse zone provides problems. So I love them plus 250 Buddy underdog. Bu- Buddy Beheim. Buddy Beheim. They can shoot the lights out. I mean, what more can you say about Syracuse? And then on the other side, Oregon State, a lot of press is going on Loyola. I think they've almost became a little bit over uh, hyped a little bit, um, even though I was the first one, you know, kind of, uh, you know, praising them. Illinois defended Loyola about the worst you possibly could defend them. Uh, <laughs> it was a pretty bad matchup for Illinois where Kofi Coburn just flat out is not going to be able to guard Cameron Crutwig out on the wing. Oregon State has athletes. Oregon State's playing red hot. They just won the Pac 12 tournament. The fact that they're a plus 250 – imagine if I would have told you this, uh, like at the start of the season, they're a plus 250 underdog versus the little mid-major school, Loyola Chicago. Hmm. I seriously think that there's great value in Oregon State. So those are the two picks that I love this upcoming week. Yeah, I'm going to be curious to see if some of these uh, Cinderella's – I mean, Loyola's getting to the point where you almost can't call them Cinderella's anymore because they've made a couple of runs in the tournament. But Oral Roberts and some of these other teams, if they can actually – continue this run i don't know you know oral roberts they play arkansas and arkansas is playing really well you know they've been playing well for the last month or two in the sec so but obviously the biggest one that i want to watch is michigan and florida state see if michigan's on to the elite eight mm-hmm. and i i don't want to man i don't know i think they could obviously I, honestly i think they could win i'm not trying to be a homer i think if they play their game we we could see them in the final four. The Alabama game could be tough. Yep. That, if they make it to Alabama, that's going to be one hell of a matchup. Jared, it might come down to you and me and Gonzaga <laughs> against Michigan. It might. <laughs> Here's know? the thing: we can only take it one game at a time. I mean, Alabama looked they boat raced Maryland by about thirty. Yeah. So I mean, that's a little bit scary. They and they can shoot good. the lights out. And they got a good coach too. Yes. So I'm really looking forward to it. But you can only take it one game at a time. I mean, yes. 
if you would have told me right before the LSU game that we're going to escape that and all of us were going to be in a pretty good mindset thinking that Michigan should really beat Florida State, that I, I'm fine with it. You know, we'll see what happens. We'll let the chips fall where they may, but just March Madness. It's back. I love it. I don't like the schedule, how it's starting on Saturday. Um, but other than that, I mean, I can't wait for this weekend. Oh, man. We missed it so bad, didn't we? We did. Unbelievable. So I, I just got to know. I know you got Gonzaga winning it, and you're doing very well in your bracket. Who's your final four? You got all four alive? So uh, the most irritated I was this weekend was West Virginia. Uh, I Me mean, too. I was screaming at my TV watching that game against Syracuse. Uh, they almost ended up coming back and winning it, but uh, I have West Virginia is the only team I lost. I have Arkansas versus Gonzaga in the championship. As long as that happens, I'm looking good. Oh. Uh, so I think Arkansas, I'm not worried this game against Oral Roberts. I th- they've already played Oral Roberts this year, actually, uh, and beat them by 10. Uh, so I'm not worried about that game, but the deciding games are going to be Baylor versus Arkansas, and like you said, Michigan if they can make it out of there. So we'll see. Yeah, I lost West Virginia too. I had them in the championship game. <laughs> oh, all right. But I got three left. <laughs> wow. We'll see. All right. Well, fair enough. So I guess I'm glad. I guess it's not all bad that they lost. But I don't know, Matt. Who, who did you even have it? Who did you have from the other side uh, other than Illinois? I had uh, I had Gonzaga, and I have Alabama just because, like I said on the last podcast. I honestly wanted to pick Michigan, but it's the whole jinx thing. I didn't want to pick them yep. and be a homer, not like I kind of wish I would have. But So I have two of my four Final Four left. But right, I, I picked Illinois to win, so I'm going to be forking over that 25 bucks to <laughs> one of you guys here in a couple weeks. Yep. Uh, I mean, it's just it, if I like, it's funny because I literally swapped off, swapped to Gonzaga at the last second because I always am the guy that picks the you know the three seed to win it all that never that always gets yes. loses round one. And I said, you know what? For once, I just want my bracket to be alive after the first couple of days. And so that's why I took Gonzaga. And little I know, you guys would overthink it and just not pick the team that's clearly head and shoulders above the rest of the teams in the bracket. But who knows? They could easily still lose. I will say this: I hadn't. I hadn't had enough homework on Gonzaga. I mean, I've heard everybody talking about him. I really didn't see him play much this year. But watching him play, they're they're definitely the real yeah. deal. That doesn't mean they can't get beat, but they're the real deal. Yep. Yeah, for sure. The CoronaConnection.com staff knows it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on Cavalier Nation at CoronaConnection.com. All Corona, all the time. The Hankard Sportswear team pride themselves by giving a good product at a great value. The area's go-to clothing and more printing business with many loyal customers. They do it by providing 100% guarantee to satisfy your expectations. Hankard Sportswear always have Owasso, Corona, and St. Paul school spirit items in stock. Also, special items for family, sporting, business, and charity events. Call them at 989-725-2979, stop on into the store on Exchange Street in downtown Owasso, and follow them on Facebook at Hankard.Sportswear. All right, well, I think that's about it, guys. I do want to throw this out there. I've been uh, a little bit tired in this podcast just because I got my second COVID shot, and also I'm doing a lot of duty in high school games. The districts are underway here in Michigan. Did two games Tuesday night, got two games tomorrow night on Thursday, and a championship game on Saturday. And right now it's it's pointing to be a probable Corona and Lake Fenton uh, championship game Saturday afternoon at 1. So we'll see. Both teams have to take care of business tomorrow night as uh, – Corona takes on Duran and Lake Fenton plays Chesanine, but it's yeah. fun. So I'd basically say, I mean, Corona is the Gonzaga of that bracket. They would have to, I, in my opinion, they would have to really mess things up to not win it. So no pressure or anything, but right. I, they, I think they're head and shoulders a favor of that. <laughs> the <district>. Cavaliers. <laughs> All right, let's call it a wrap, everyone. Uh, follow us at Three Point Pod. Let our partners know you listen in. They include Advanced Elevator, Corona Connection, the Corona Public Schools. 
Hankard Sportswear, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5 The Castle. Hey, and why not? Please consider a donation to the ALS Association of Michigan. There's still no cure for Lou Gehrig's disease. Every 90 minutes, someone is diagnosed with ALS. For Jared Fattel and Matt Burns, I'm Ted Fattel. So long, everybody, and go blue. Point Podcast is syndicated worldwide on Sports Radio Detroit and MWSN Radio. The show is a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the WJSZ Mid-Michigan Studios. Spread the word to your friends and family and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at 3PointPod or by email to 3PointPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, bye for now.